following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. What's going on, family? How are you tonight? Man, see, I love saying that on Wednesday night, y'all. I know you might be tired from work, but you always got, you bring the energy on a Wednesday night. It makes me feel good. Like, listen, I'm not going to lie. I love any, um, any Sunday first servicers in the house. Generally, okay, we got a lot of first servicers. Now, I love you. But in first service, this is the early service. I have to ask that question multiple times before we get to the, the energy level that I'm looking for. And then second is a little bit better. And then third, by the time that third service is ready for a nap at that point, you know, you know what I mean? So they're, they're like, but Wednesday night, you guys are on fire. Come on, it's going to be a good night. I'm excited about being in the house of the Lord. Hey, I drove in the parking lot tonight, and I am, I'm blown away every single Sunday and every single Wednesday by the hundreds of people that are on our dream team that volunteer, uh, parking lot crews standing in the middle of the heat, just sweat running down your head. Information desk, passing out info, ushers giving out good info, taking up all the tithe and the offering, making sure you have a place to sit. I drop my kids off in class. The classes are full of teachers, multiple teachers in every classroom. I'm telling you, it's an honor. It really is. Listen, it's an honor to preach to such committed people. So as we jump into the Word of God, Pastor Reed and Pastor Randy too, I I want to reiterate what both of you have already said, and I think it's unique how the Holy Spirit kind of intertwines everything and has a, has a unique way of setting everything up because I need everyone in here tonight from the youngest child to the oldest, elderly, most seasoned, most wise saint that's in the house and, and every age group in between. I need you to understand how significant you are to God. You're so valuable that a value cannot be placed upon, there's no number that you can come up with that could do your life justice. I need you to understand before we dive into what we're going to be talking about tonight, how much you matter to God sitting in the very seat that you're sitting in. I need you to imagine how much he's invested in you. I need you to understand at the beginning of our time together tonight how much your praise is worth. Psalm 148, and I'll paraphrase, says, Praise him, sun and moon and all the stars in the heaven. Fire and hail, beast and creeping things, all the birds and every tree, every mountain and every hill. You need to understand tonight that with everything that has been created, the stars that are thousands of light years away, the Bible says that he knows them by name. 
Imagine with me for a moment that every single thing that was ever created in all of history, from dinosaurs to other planets, pales in comparison to you. Think about it for a second. You are a big deal. You matter. You have significance. Even when you feel overlooked, when nobody cares, when when nobody seems to pick you on their team, when you don't get the job, you matter to God. Nothing in the universe, I'm taking a little bit of time to set the stage, but nothing in the universe is more valuable to God than you. God would choose you over the light from every star, every time. Because he did not breathe life into a star. He spoke them, but he breathed life into you. You are valuable. You mean more to God than than your mind can begin to comprehend. And I don't know if this is just me, something that, that God has just been dealing with me over the last several weeks, but, but, but I feel as if society today has pushed many people, many families to a place where we have lost the hunger to meet God face to face. We want the safe acknowledgement of God in three worship songs and a pretty sermon and then we rush back to our plan, to our lives, the things that that we have to do. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that feels it. But, but I just have a feeling that the one that we've been singing about, the one that we've been worshiping in the last few moments is saying, I've got a desire for people, for a church in South Austin that will rush to meet me face to face and be okay with staying in that moment for just a moment that, that, that won't race out of a relationship with me because their schedule's so busy because they have to get their son to baseball. I'm preaching to me too. We enjoy... The casual introduction to Jesus. Hey, how are you, dear Heavenly Lord? Good to see you today, Jesus. Just wanted you to know I'm still here. Showed up to church. I'm here. We, we enjoy the, the casual relationship from time to time with Jesus. And you need to understand this as well. That an introduction doesn't change you. But a collision. (laughs) See, I remember 11 years ago, Cassidy and I had just been married a few months. (laughs) And wouldn't you know it, I was driving her car headed to the church. It was a Sunday night. I was coming up here. We had had church that morning. I was coming up to play basketball uh, with some of the guys 
And I remember going through an intersection, and then I remember being T-boned from my side, and I remember being pushed in, really out of the intersection. I, I remember having to crawl out of the passenger side window because my side was, I couldn't even come close to getting my door open. I remember a collision because when you, when you have a, a collision, when you have a face-to-face encounter with something, it changes you. You see, I can't really remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. <laughs> but I can remember the intersecting streets of the accident that happened 11 years ago. I could call them by name. I could take you to the very light pole that's dented in from my vehicle 11 years later. I can tell you the type of vehicle that hit me. And I can tell you that even 11 years later that I still hesitate a split second before, before I take off through an intersection. Not just because I'm a safety freak. No, no, no. Because I remember what happened to me when I came face to face with another vehicle. It changed me. A collision leads to an exchange. And an exchange leads... To the extraordinary. And I just wonder, I, I, I think I know the answer to this question tonight, but I just wonder if there's anybody in the house on a Wednesday night who is hungry for a face-to-face meeting, a face-to-face encounter with your Savior. Come on, I wonder if there's anybody in church tonight who is tired of church as per normal, life as per normal, but you've been wanting something that will move you, that will shake you, something that will change you. There's a man in Exodus who had one such encounter. Leaving the average mundane life of religious cycle, And he would turn and he would collide with a living God in a way that was so massively life-changing that his encounter not only changed his life, but it changed the course of history as we know it. You do, you you understand tonight, don't you, that, that if you choose to encounter God in such a way that your collision could change the world. One encounter by one person can change the world. What if you were that one person? What if we were all that one person? That my encounter with the Savior would change my world. And then your encounter with your Savior would change your world. Exodus chapter 3. This is where we'll be taking our text from tonight. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along on our electronic Bible right behind me. It would say this. Now Moses, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. 
So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And so when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to look. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off, Moses, for the place where you stand is holy ground. For just a few moments tonight, I want to talk to you on this subject. Lessons, lessons from the desert. Let me tell you something else that I believe to be true about people sitting in this church tonight. I, I believe that there's, there's countless people sitting under the sound of my voice that could literally change the world. Not, not just pastors speak, not just I, I, I'm saying that to, to build. No, 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 no. I literally believe that there's people in this room that have the ability to change the world. I believe it. I believe there's students that are sitting right up there in a student ministry service right now that have something brewing on the inside of them that could change the world. And I I really, I believe that the enemy is afraid that if we ever wake up to the potential that is lying dormant on the inside of us, that he knows that he doesn't stand a chance. If you ever realize how significant you are, if the church as a whole would awaken to the greatness that our Savior has placed on the inside of us, I, I really believe that our world would never be the same. And so why is it that we rush to be normal? We rush to fit in. We, we desire to fit in on our jobs, in our schools, with our families, in our relationship. And I have a feeling that, that these world changers that I'm talking about, you're going to notice this to be true. This next statement, you struggle in your normalcy because it does not fit you. <laughs> No, 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 what what fits you is the supernatural, the extraordinary, the greatness of God. And everywhere you go, you just don't seem to fit in. Every time you've tried, you've failed because God created you, a significant individual for something more than the mundane, ordinary life that you've been living. I believe that there's young adults in this room tonight who were once in a generation leaders. You're brilliant beyond measure. You're not willing to just be a manager that plays it safe because you're terrified of the unknown or the outcome. But you're a leader that says, if God is for me, who can be against me? With God, all things are possible. And to you, I would say, stop suggesting and start leading. I believe there's businessmen and women who have innovative ideas and and business plans who are eager to step out in faith, but every time you try to take that step, you retreat in fear because you're afraid to fail. 
What if you were created for more than the normal life that you're currently living? What if you were, what if God has a plan so much bigger than you and he's waiting for you to take that step and trust him? What if it was you? We know a lot about Moses. He wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, but truthfully, up until this point, the moment of the text that we read, his life, his life could simply be described as just common history. But in this moment, the place of our text, there was this encounter, there was this collision And he left this moment, he left this encounter, this place of history. And it became a place of destiny. You see, when you collide, when you collide with an almighty God face to face, when you you have this encounter with your Savior, everything from that point and behind you is all history. And everything from that encounter, that collision forward is your destiny. Whatever happened before you met Jesus, guess what? It doesn't really matter anymore. After an encounter, your past is history and what's in front of you is your destiny. And you need to understand, listen, I don't know what you've done, I don't know how bad it was, but the blood of Jesus is the great equalizer here. We are all on the same playing field once you give your life to Jesus. Your past is your past. And once you have an encounter, you're walking now in the destiny and the plans and the purposes that God has for your life. Moses, he had a lot of promise. With an incredible story. Moses was born into slavery. He shouldn't have survived his birth. If you remember the story, there was a decree in Egypt to kill all the male children. But watch. Let me talk to the mamas for a second. His mother saw that there was something significant on the inside of him. She knew that he was created and destined for more. And can I just talk to you, mama, for a second? My prayer tonight would be that you would understand the significance that lies in your children. What you're doing is making a difference. You wake up every morning. I know you're tired. I know you're exhausted. But you are making a difference in the lives of, guess what? Little world changers. That you would continue to speak life and words of encouragement even in your frustration when you want to pull your hair out sometimes. Can I get an amen? Amen. Mamas have a way of seeing the, the significance, the value. And that's exactly what happened in this moment. Moses was put in a little basket, pushed out and floated down a river. Full of crocodiles. Imagine. But his mother believed that there was something so significant about this baby that it was worth the risk of pushing that little basket out and watching him float down a river. Can you imagine with me, mom, 
taking this step of faith. The current could have swept the baby out into open waters. There were crocodiles. They're still there. They didn't go away. Don't push me in a river with crocodiles, what he just said. But there was, watch, there was destiny in that boat. And because there was destiny in that boat, God shut the mouth of every crocodile that would float in the Nile. And because there was destiny in the boat, the water couldn't overtake that little basket that went floating down the river. And because there was destiny, the hippos and every creepy crawly creature that lives in that river couldn't overtake the basket. And because there's destiny over your life, the enemy will never be able to fully get you in his grasp. Now listen, I didn't say that sometimes it wouldn't feel like you'd be in a basket floating down the river all by yourself with crocodiles on every side. No, no, no. You're going to have those moments in life. But what you need to understand is because there's destiny over your life, you've been given the power to be an overcomer of whatever situations come your way. The car accidents that everyone said should have taken your life. They, they don't take your life because you have destiny hanging over your life. I wonder if there's anybody in the house grateful for the destiny that you carry tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. For 40 years, he was raised in the house of the richest person in the land. Sounds like fun, huh? But there was a struggle. There, there, there was a struggle because he knew that the ease of his upbringing conflicted with the reality of his destiny. You see, I, I could take it easy, but on the inside, I know that I'm created for something so much more than just the normal life that everybody else is living. Moses could have done that, and guess what? You have the very same option. You could sit back and relax, take the easy road, but because of the destiny that is in your life, listen, that's just not an option for us. <laughs> Baby Moses over there talking. (laughs) And so Moses grows up in the house of Pharaoh. And at the age of 40 years old, you know the story. He sees one of his Hebrew brothers, the nationality of which he was born. He sees him being oppressed uh, by an Egyptian. And he's so moved by this injustice that he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. The next day, your Bible says this in Exodus chapter 2, verse 13. He sees two Hebrew brothers fighting. And he says to them, hey, hey well, why are you fighting? We're supposed to love one another. we got to be on the same team here. 
And the guy looks at him and says, hey, get your hands off of me. Are you going to kill me and bury me in the sand just like you did the Egyptian yesterday? Yeah, I saw everything you did. And so, so what does Moses do? Moses realizes he's been caught, and so he takes off into the desert. And I wonder how many of us in this room tonight, because of mistakes that we've made, poor choices that you've made in life, have retreated into the desert, the desert of indecision, the desert of frustration, the desert of doubt and depression and despair, the desert of God's mad at me because of what I did. There's no way that he could use me. There, the, the desert of there's no getting past this. How many of us had made a life in the desert just like Moses did? And so we sit here as adults wishing that we could turn back the clock and take, make some different choices when we were teenagers or young adults or, or whatever that age is for you. And we sit in a desert of memories that do nothing but leave us in a state of brokenness. So the Bible would say in Exodus chapter 3, when we find Moses at 80 years of age, that he's now feeding his father-in-law sheep. Think about it. He goes from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. He was living in Pharaoh's house in a mansion. The boy had it going on. And now... You don't even have sheep of your own, Moses. You, you can see the disparity here. You can, you can see the difference. You, Moses, are now feeding the sheep of your father-in-law. And I have a very important question here, Moses. How old is your father-in-law? If you're 80, he's got to be a good buck 50 at this point. I mean, I don't know where that came from. I apologize. But imagine going from the prince of Egypt to tending to sheep that aren't even yours. Imagine the regret and the shame that must have eaten away at Moses. Forty years of saying, I used to be the man. But here I am at 80 years old, feeding sheep that I don't even own. You can try if you want. You can run for 40 years if you want. You can retreat to your desert if you like. But one day, one day you're going to find him sitting in a bush. You, you can try. You can try to get away. I don't know when this moment, when this encounter is going to happen, but... But you just might find him sitting in the bush. And so we're caught up to our passage today. Moses is an 80-year-old man filled with regret. He's a murderer on the loose, a fugitive from justice, a man who has struggled with identity issues. Am I a prince of Egypt or am I a Hebrew? Am I the oppressed or am I the oppressor? 
to which many of us at 30, 40, and 50 still struggle with the same issues. Who am I? What am I supposed to do with my life? Where am I called to go? How do I get there? Look at my family. Look at my circumstances. Look at what I have going for me. How in the world am I supposed to accomplish everything that I feel like I need to accomplish? So there's three lessons that we need to learn from the desert. And the first one would be this, and it's one of my favorite things about Moses, and it's that he was faithful. Moses was faithful in the desert. He was tending his father-in-law's sheep in the desert. He stayed submitted in the desert. He could have grabbed his wife. He could have grabbed his kids. And he could have said, hey, honey, this isn't looking the way that I thought it was supposed to look. Uh, you know what? This, isn't, this is not the life that I really envisioned. You know, I, I think the grass is going to be greener on the other side. So why don't we pick up and go just take our family somewhere? Can I just stop and let you know, listen, that you've got to stay connected to the church. You got to stay connected to the church. This is the structure that God wants to build. In fact, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If he's building a church, guess what? You and I need to be connected to it. I know that you may not understand it all the time. I I know that it may not make sense all the time. But listen, stay connected to the church in your desert moments because this is the development of your destiny in the desert moments. Moses was faithful in the desert. One day Moses is, he's walking And remember, he's been in the desert for 40 years and he sees something in a familiar setting, the desert, right, that he had not seen before. And this is what he says. He says, I will now turn aside and I will see this great sight. That bush is on fire. (laughs) What? I've been around these parts for 40 years um, uh, sheep, Mr. Yo, sheep, hey, do you see what I'm seeing? Do I have cataracts? What's going on? Like, there is a bush over there, and, and, and like, we've been in this area a lot, and I'm sure that if, if this would have happened in the past, that I would have noticed this. Am I going crazy? What in the world? There's a bush on fire, but it's not really on fire. I mean, it is, but it's, I don't even know how to describe it. He says, I'm going to turn, and I'm going to walk towards this unusual thing in a familiar place. And the Bible says that Moses turns aside. And this, is, this would be the same word that you and I in the New Testament, when we say repent, okay, it would be the same thing. He'd been walking his own path now for 40 years, and he finally sees something that causes him to repent, Something that that makes him wake up and realize that the way I've been walking is not enough to get me to where I'm called. 
I, I, I got to turn in this moment. That, that's all that the word repent here means. It doesn't mean to be ashamed of what you've done. Oh, sure, okay, you need to feel bad sometimes for what you... But listen, that doesn't change any of the circumstances for you. Feeling ashamed, no, no, no. But repenting means that I turn and I get off of the course that I was walking and I turn in the direction, a totally new direction. I move in the opposite direction of where I was headed. Pastor Randy, if you'll help me, we got to wrap this bad boy up. And so Moses, Moses says, I'm 80 years old. I've been living in regret. I've been living in the midst of my bad decision. But today, today I've seen something unusual in a familiar land. And today, that thing has caused me to turn and to change my way of living. And I love this. The Bible says this. That when God saw that he turned. What what does that tell you? That tells me that even when you're in the middle of the desert. That he's got his eye on you. He's watching you. He's looking at you in the middle of your desert. And you know what he's waiting for you to do? He's waiting for you to say, oh my. He sees you. He's looking for you. Even in the middle of your darkest times. He hasn't lost sight of you. You know why? Because you're valuable to him. (laughs) Because you mean more to him than you can begin to comprehend. And so Moses, he moves towards this this burning bush. You You got to follow me for the next few moments. He moves towards this thing that he he can't really wrap his head around. This thing that kind of boggles his mind. Like, I don't really know. I've never really seen this before. I'm in a familiar place. It's a safe place, but, but I, don't really, I don't really understand that. But he moves towards it. And God calls and says this, Moses! Hey, Moses! Moses responds, here I am. And God says, don't come any closer, Moses. Take off your sandals, for the place that you're standing is holy ground. Now, you've got to understand this. Moses had been walking this desert for years and years and years. And and apparently, this desert wasn't a holy place. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, when, when Moses decides to turn and move in the direction of God, God says, stop. Moses, stop right where you're at. Because you have turned this place, the ground that you're standing is consecrated. You are standing now on holy ground, Moses. Nothing changed about Moses. He just turned. He made a move towards the fire. The third lesson that you need to understand and you need to know is this. You got to move towards the fire you got to move towards the fire Moses made a move to an unfamiliar thing in a very familiar place and I feel in my spirit and I have all week truthfully 
that God would be talking to us and, and, and kind of just knocking on the door of our hearts tonight. Saying, I just, I wish somebody that is on the verge of making a move would just go ahead and take that step of faith. That tonight would be the night that you've, you've been thinking about it, you've been contemplating making a move, but, but tonight is the night that you make a move. And when you make the move, I feel like God would let you know that he's going to consecrate the ground that you're standing on. That when you, when you make a move, that he's going to bless you beyond what you can even comprehend. When you make a move towards the fire, the desires of your heart will begin to come to pass. When you, when you make a move towards the fire, the direction that you've been looking for and seeking is going to start flowing. When you make a move towards the fire, but here's some of our issues. Let me just finish up with this. Many of us don't want to run towards the fire because fire, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really understand it. I'm in a familiar place. I'm in the church. I trust this place. I love the people of this place. But there's something in this place that, that I mean, I, I don't really know. I can't fully get my head around it. I can't use my logic to figure out and reason with how this all makes sense. And so what we do is we refuse to move towards the fire. And we just kind of back away from the very thing that God is trying to get you to move towards. And you love the passion. You love the zeal that the people around you have. You love the heart that they have when they worship. When they go after God with all that they have, you see people clapping your hands, raising their hands, jumping up and down, tears flowing, and you love it. But you don't understand it. Can I give you a little secret to what all that's about? I'm just going to go out on a limb and tell you, here's their secret, are you ready? They've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you love it. You love everything that it produces. But you look at it and you can't, you're, you're, you're cerebral. You can't quite get your brain around it. I mean, it's fire, the, the fire of God. I get it, but, but I don't really quite understand it. And because you don't understand the Holy Ghost, I don't really know. Can I tell you tonight, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. You have a face-to-face -face encounter. Hear me. An introduction will not change you. But if you move towards the fire of God, you move towards a collision with the power and the presence of God. I'm telling you, you will be changed. 
You will be changed to a place where it won't just affect you, but you're going to see it trickle down into your kids and then in their schools and then in your communities and then on your jobs. But just stand with me. I just wonder tonight, as our prayer partners hustle down here, I wonder tonight, listen, stay with me for about two more minutes. I just, I have a feeling that there's some people in the house tonight who are tired of living the life that you've been living, the ordinary, mundane life, and you're ready to make a move towards the fire of God tonight. That you're, you're willing to say, you know what, I, I love everything about this place. I love this house. I trust this house. But there's something that, that I, I can't really get my head around. But I'm telling you tonight, hear, hear this young man, that if you will move towards the fire of God, it will change your life in a way that you will never be able to describe. It will impact you. It will move you to tears. You'll walk into church on a Sunday morning and you'll throw your hands in the air and you'll start bawling. You don't even know why. You'll you'll feel, you'll be at the, the direction, trying to figure out which direction to go and boom, all of a sudden, there it is. You know which way to go. The wisdom of the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you. And as our team sings, here's, here's what I want for you. I want somebody to be willing to step out from where you are and to show God just as an act of moving that God, I'm ready in my life to make a move tonight. I'm tired of waiting. I've been waiting. I've been wandering around in the wilderness, in the desert for too long. Tonight is my night. If that's you, I want you to step out from where you are. Maybe, Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Tonight is your night. To step out, to turn, to repent, to say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Maybe you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Tonight is your night. As our team sings, listen, I don't want you to wait for somebody else to come down. I want you to get down. These altars are about to be packed, and I want you to get down here first. Come on, as our team sings, will you begin to make your way down here right now? Come on. Yeah. Come on, you're making a move right now. You're making a move. (laughs) Don't be afraid to make a move. Yeah. Open up, heaven. Lord, you see exactly what these people need right now. You see exactly what every individual needs right now. Lord, if they've never given their heart to you, I pray right now that they would surrender every aspect of their life to you. That you would begin to fill people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, even as I declare it right now in the name of Jesus. People that have never experienced your love, that are struggling with identity and who they are, Lord, wrap your arms around them right now and let them know who they are in you. People that are wandering in the desert, trying to figure out which direction to go send wisdom and guidance and direction right now 